Hey everybody, and welcome to another My Angular Story. This week we're going to be talking to Minko Gechev. I think I said that right. Did I say that right? Yes, perfect. Perfect. I love hearing that. All right, so um, we had you on episode 54 of Adventures in Angular. You were talking about immutability with Angular. Man, that was a long time ago. It was almost two years ago. Um, so do you want to just kind of fill us in uh as far as like who you are, since we haven't heard from you for a while, maybe if you're working somewhere else or doing something different. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, since then, actually, that was just right after my talk on Angie Vegas about Angular and mutability. Since then, I moved to Bay Area, and currently, I'm working with a company called uh, Learn Capital. I keep doing the open source contributions that uh, I did at this time, but uh, yeah, they moved to Angular. To and beyond since then. Very cool. Well, I have a series of questions that I ask every guest, and uh, we're going to kind of ask those and dig into them, get your background, find out where you came from. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. All right, so our first question is How did you get into programming? All right, so when I was in high school, uh, I did. I took my first programming class. It was in Pascal, and uh, I had to do some to write some programs for a calculation calculation of uh, like equations uh, and just the regular mathematical stuff right after that I switched to visual basic again as part of my high school high school classes where I wrote a couple of games and uh, at this point I knew that I was interested in this so before that I was doing a lot of astrophysics and it seems that programming was fitting uh, my interest better so I wrote a couple of games in visual basic and I took part in a couple of uh, programming competitions where we had to build web apps and after that present them in front of people. My first one was written in PHP. <laughs> it was a lot of messy code and I had some uh, JavaScript there, quite messy as well. And most of the application actually, uh, this was a time when Ajax was still a super cool thing. We were doing some hacky things with hidden iframes and uh, AJAX uh, XML HTTP requests were still not supported in Internet Explorer. So I remember uh, the function for instantiating ActiveX objects based on the different versions of XML HTTP and so on. It was, they were pretty fun times. <laughs> yeah, fun times. ActiveX, uh, PHP, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so was this all still in high school when you were doing all that stuff, the PHP and ActiveX? Hey everybody, this is Charles Maxwood. I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about JS Remote Comp. Uh, we just picked speakers, things are looking really good, and uh, we're really excited to cover a broad range of topics for JavaScript developers. So if you're looking to learn things about Node.js, about becoming a better developer, about deployment, about mobile development, and much more, and much more about JavaScript, then come check us out, jsremoteconf.com. Uh, you can also find it by going to devchat.tv slash conferences and then picking the conference you want. We have last year's recordings there. We have this year's uh, conference coming up. So make sure you get your ticket, and we'll see you there. When you were doing all that stuff, the PHP and ActiveX? Yeah, that was in high school. Uh, I had to do these apps for, actually I contracted, I did some small contracting projects, but I mostly did these things, these web apps for programming competitions. There were these uh, national competitions back in Bulgaria, 
when uh, students from different schools, they are competing together, building their web applications. After that, if they made it, make it to the national nation, to the finals of, of the competitions, they have to present it in front of a jury. And after that, the jury decides if uh, your project is good enough or not. And uh, yeah, they just um, set up the ranking. Super cool. Uh, and, it, and it sounds like just a lot of fun. I mean, no pressure, right? It's just, I mean, the competitions, I guess, pressure, but, you know, you're you're not like trying to earn a living or anything. You're just in high school learning how to do this stuff. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. a little curious. How, how long ago was this? I guess you're showing your age if you answer, but I'm curious. Well, this was for about two years. And, uh, I, well, with these competitions, we were actually able to get to uh, admission at university. So there was a little pressure, but it was still pretty cool. And uh, a lot of people were trying to do some amazing things with the bleeding catch technologies at this time, like jQuery. It was super bleeding catch back then. Uh, so I did this for two or three years. Nice. Uh, and I was yep. about 15, Okay. I guess. And then you went to the university? Yeah, at university, I started. So my, the problem back then at high school was that my code was super messy. So I got interested into object-oriented design. That's actually one of the reasons that I wrote Angular in Patterns, uh, one of the documents in my GitHub. Uh, so I got interested in this. Uh, I started studying more algorithms, uh, mathematics, a little bit more formal computer science, which I got really interested into. I uh, learned a couple of new programming languages, uh, C Sharp, C++, Haskell, learned a real JavaScript, and uh, and so on. That, that's interesting. So um, you were in college when you learned JavaScript or kind of got into JavaScript? Well, actually, this happened back in high school, but okay. right back then, I was just writing just, I, I bought a very cool book for Ajax by, I think that it was by Nicholas Zakis. So uh, with this book, I just copied a few snippets from there. And uh, when I, I was just trying to implement uh, different things by taking the patterns learned from the book. And uh, when I moved to university, everything got a little bit more structured. And I was just trying to get deeper into how things work. So I got more complete understanding of what actually I was doing before that. Gotcha. So um, you you got into programming in high school. You kind of fiddled around with it, tried a few things, you know, did some Pascal, some Visual Basic, PHP, got into web development. Um and then when you went to college, you, you learned a little bit more programming structure and things like that. Do you have a computer science degree? Yeah. Okay. Um, so at what point do you wind up getting excited about JavaScript? Well, uh, I think that happened. So I was excited uh, about JavaScript since high school because I was able to make, so I wrote an Ajax chat with hidden iframe, and it was just something like IRC, in your web browser uh, later. And it, of course, we didn't have WebSockets back then, so I was just doing some constant polling, and it was crazy. Uh, but after that, I started my first job as a software developer in a local company where we were building some UI components for, with jQuery. That's what, when I started doing uh, more JavaScript. I also 
created a Bulgarian JavaScript user group, which so we started making uh, doing some regular meetups every month with talks, beer, and pizza. It was really fun. Actually, this meetup is still alive. We oh, were still cool. organizing events right there. And then how did you discover Angular? This happened. So after my stay at this company, I moved to VMware for a very interesting project which uh, involved some very cool technologies. Basically there, I had to run a Java applet through your in a browser which doesn't have uh, Java installed at all. So I had to do some interesting tricks there. Basically, I was running the applet on a remote machine. I was doing something like remote desktop sharing and rendering the applet on a canvas in the user browser. So that was my project right after the first job. And <laughs> right after that, yeah, it was really fun, actually. I miss these days, and anyway, uh, currently I'm doing some similar stuff, so it's, uh, I'm still excited about these technologies. Uh, right after that, I was, uh, I was uh, blogging quite a bit about JavaScript, functional programming, and uh, things like that. So a company in the Silicon Valley, they found my blog, and they asked me if I want to work with them. And they wanted to build a web application for education, a single-page app. And they let me choose the technology that I want to use. So I picked Angular because it seems like it was following very uh, well the principles, the object-oriented practices that I learned. And uh, it had all the abstractions and dependency injection and uh, separation of concerns and everything that I was really excited about. So I just picked Angular back then, started blogging not only for JavaScript, plain JavaScript, but also for Angular and uh, did a couple of open source projects. That sounds like fun. So what, what were some of the open source projects you did with Angular? Oh, there are actually a lot. I have about close, closer to 200 projects in my GitHub, but the first one that I, the first uh, which had bigger impact was uh, the Angular Jest style guide, because I saw that a lot of people were using the framework in, diff in different ways. And I also noticed that I wasn't completely sure what best practices I should follow. So from what I had as experience to that point, and uh, from what I read from the Angular source code, I wrote a set of best practices, which uh, got featured on Hacker News, got quite popular. Uh, I guess that's the first project which uh, got quite popular from my uh, open source contributions related to Angular. Later, uh, I created a small Angular because I was also teaching Angular at university. Right after I graduated, I started teaching. And uh, what I did was just to, in order to show how Angular works, I wrote a very small, tiny version of Angular 1 uh, in about 200 lines of JavaScript. That's uh, another project from these early days. You guys are crazy because Taro uh, Parviainen, he also he wrote a book on how to basically build your own Angular. I don't, I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched his talk. It was really great about the compiler. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. So, um, what was it about Angular that made you want to just dive in and, you know, pull something together like Angular and Patterns or Angular JS Style Guide or... Um, you know, here's, here's kind of a really bare bones angular. What was it that inspired you so much? 
Well, for the different projects, I guess the motivations was different. For Angular in patterns, I just, actually I was taking my master's degree in software engineering. So uh, I just uh, had, a, I had a class in design patterns and I thought, well, design patterns are, like Angular has such great object-oriented architecture. So why just not to, why just not write a few uh, paragraphs about what design patterns are used in Angular and how we can structure our Angular applications better. Uh, about the Angular style guides, yeah, the my motivations was that at this point there were no other style guides. There were no uh, well-established list with best practices. Later, John Papa, he did a great job by collaborating with the Angular team to, wrote, uh, to write his uh, very complete style guide. Uh, for, I also wrote a library for aspect-oriented programming for Angular, which, uh, so this was part of my, my work at VMware. There I took a class in Spring, and I noticed that Spring, uh, there is this concept of the Spring triangle there, which is, um, it includes abstraction over the enterprise layer, dependency injection, and uh, it was something else that I forgot. So I noticed that, uh, and aspect-oriented programming, of course. So I, I noticed that uh, we have almost the same thing, the same triangle in, in Angular. We have the dependency injection, we have abstraction, which is over DOM this time, and we had lack of aspect-oriented programming, which helps sometimes uh, just uh, modularizing some cross-cutting concerns. So I wrote this library and uh, later just started contributing to Angular 2 when it was out. Nice. So, so yeah, so you kind of made this journey. And this is the thing that I'm trying to highlight in these stories is just that, you know, you, you got interested in programming in high school, you found your way to web development, and then somebody asked you to build a single-page app. So you picked up Angular and you started running with that. And you know, you started contributing in the areas that you were interested in. And so it, it doesn't take like this genius to do this. It just takes somebody with a desire and a willingness to go out and learn it. Yeah, completely. It's based on desire and uh, motivation just to, when you see that there is something broken, just to take it and fix it and push it upstream. Or when you see that there is something missing, just to, yeah, just to take initiative and just do it. Mm -hmm. So what are you working on now? Uh, so I just finished my... So I, I wrote a book last year about Angular called Switching to Angular 2, uh, where I had uh, just a privilege to work with Mishko Heavery. And I just we we're just going to about to release the second version of the book, Getting Started with Angular, because uh, RC5, it broke huge part. It, it made Switching to Angular 2 almost out of date. Mm -hmm. And also the new... Uh, the new guidelines for need for refer referring to Angular, it's uh, I had to drop the two. So it, the new book is called uh, Getting Started with Angular. Actually, this book was one of main motive, my main motivations to contribute, contribute to Angular as well. Uh, because at that point when I started writing it, there was no documentation at all. So I just had to dig deep into the source code and I was just finding issues and fixing them. Uh, and currently I'm also working on the Angular 2 style guide, Angular style guide with John Papa, where Bell, uh, Igor Minar, and a couple of other folks working on Colalizer, 
So when we were working on the style guide, I discovered that there might be a better way to make sure that your project follows it. Because Angular, it is built with tooling in mind. It is built with statically typed language, which is TypeScript. Mm -hmm. Also, the templates there, they have syntax which allows tools to analyze statically the templates and to prove some properties of the entire program in general. So I thought that, well, maybe we can take advantage of this tooling and build a linter which is specific for Angular. Because we have TSLint, which is a linter for TypeScript. But on top of TypeScript, Angular has a lot of other things. Uh, it also has HTML-like templates. It has styles. And uh, also it has this huge component tree and module tree, which brings some context to the template compiler. And just there is a lot of stuff going on, on top of TypeScript. So uh, Colalizer aims to provide some static code analysis for your Angular application in order to make sure that the quality of your code is as good as possible following the style guide. Uh, you don't have, for instance, any dead code, any dead styles. Mm -hmm. And I'm working on this project. Uh, this very, is mainly cool. my mom focus. That just sounds like a ton of fun. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, that, that's an is. interesting problem to solve. And yeah. It's really awesome. And I have a chance there to work with uh, creates uh, with people from the Angular team who have tens of experience in building compilers. So it's really amazing. Very cool. So um, I, I'm kind of wondering, because, you know, we, we've kind of talked over the, the arc of your career a bit. Do you feel like there's some overarching theme to this or something that you've learned over the last several years, learning how to do this and then contributing in the ways that you have? Um, what do you mean more specifically? So, so are there lessons that you think somebody could, you know, as they look at your story, kind of go, oh, that, you know, that's something that I learned from, from Minko's story. I see. Well, I think it's very important for people to are willing to just create value for other people. Mm -hmm. And this is what I think is the lesson that I learned in the last couple of years and that can be learned from this story. That's uh, what really makes us move forward, not only the web, but everything. And yeah, just it will give you some feeling that you're doing something right. Right. Yeah, just uh, trying to provide as much value to other people as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. And wow. open source is a great way to achieve this, since you're not only contributing and moving up open source projects in some way, but also helping to motivate other people to do the same and to learn from you or you to learn from them. And just this collaboration is great. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny because uh, I have new people that come to me and say, how do I get a job? And one of the things I ask them, you know, besides going to users groups and getting to know people is just, are you contributing to open source? And, you know, it's, it's not just a great way to give back to the community, but if you need some kind of attention for something like getting a job, it's a great way to go. And you get to know great people who will help you out there too. And so, I mean, it's kind of this, 
it's it's this interesting cycle because then as you go out and actually give of yourself, uh, people give back to you, and it you know it just kind of goes over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, definitely, I agree. Yeah, for jobs, uh, I guess doing open source is maybe the best possible way to get a job. Of course, there are some companies which are not really interested in open source contributions, but I'm not sure whether they're the right place for people to work in any way. Uh, serious companies are usually pretty much interested in the skills which people actually apply in practice, and open source is the best way to verify that what skills someone have. Yep. All right, well, um... Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about Freelance Remote Conf. I'm putting on a conference for people who want to go freelance or who are freelance and bringing in some of the experts from the Freelancer Show to talk to you about how to find clients, how to collect money, how to build your business, how to specialize, and much, much more. So if you're thinking about going freelance or you're already freelance and want to hear from the experts on how to go, become, or grow your freelancing business, then by all means, come check us out at freelanceremoteconf.com. What skills someone have? Yep. All right. Well, um, I'm going to push us into the next section of this podcast, and that's where we do picks. Now, you were on the show about two years ago, but we were doing picks back then too. So um, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you go first. What What are those things that you want to shout out about that are making your life awesome? Yeah, since recently I'm interested in even more interested, deeply interested in computer, theoretical computer science. So I'm just exploring some. Um, branches there, like uh, category theory and type theory. And there is a great book about you know, the theory behind the programming languages and the type systems called Types and Programming Languages uh, from MIT Press, I think, that I can recommend. It's a really nice book and shows how um, formally you can approach to a programming language and, how, and shows great intersection between software engineering, computer science, and pure mathematics. So it's really great book. And another one is the if uh, programming language. I think it's pretty new. Mm-hmm. It is a, a programming language. It is just it, it is a programming language for literate programming. So you just write. So this forces you to write a lot of documentation because documentation is the main thing in the language. And to just write some snippets of code which are actually runnable. So this is something like writing a markdown document, and uh, you just uh, open, you, you just uh, put four space in front of your code, and it's actually already runnable. And it, they have great ID, which looks just like uh, Medium. It's uh, great, so you can inspect what actually is going on in your uh, output. It, they have uh, all the cool things that we're talking about. It, it looks like they have also. Uh, hot module replacement and a lot of stuff. So it's really great language just to explore. Awesome. All right. Well, um, I'm going to jump in with a couple of picks myself. Um, so I'm one of these people that I, I generally kind of do things in waves. So, um, you know, I, I did hiring for a couple of months, you know, and hired a couple of people to help me with the podcast and stuff, which takes a ton of work. Um, and then I, you know, lately I've been talking to people about, their problems finding a better job or getting a raise or things like that um, and, and things like that. And the the person who's been helping me with a lot of this stuff um, is a business coach that I hired. Her name is JD, Jamie Masters. 
and she has a podcast called The Eventual Millionaire. She also has a book by that title. And so I'm, I'm going to pick her and shout out to her um, just because I feel like I get a lot from what she gives. Now I'm paying for that, but still. Um, one other thing that I've recently read that I really enjoyed is a book called Deep Work. And it talks about how getting unbroken uh, time and not getting distracted by things like your phone and stuff like that uh, really pay off. And uh, a lot of the examples he uses are for software developers. And so uh, overall, it's a great book. It's by Cal Newport. He also wrote So Good They Can't Ignore You. And uh, anyway, terrific, terrific book. So I'm going to pick that. And uh, yeah, th those are those are the things that I've kind of been doing and thinking about lately. Um, Minko, if people want to follow you, check out what you're working on now, anything like that, uh, what, what's the best place to do that? Yes, yeah, so, well, currently I'm on Twitter, GitHub, and I'm also blogging for things that I'm interested in. Uh, I'm M. Gechev everywhere, just my first, the first letter from my first name and my last name. All right, terrific. Well, thank you for coming. It's been fun thank talking. You. Yes, thank you very much for having me. All right. Well, we will uh, hopefully have you on the show again and uh, talk to you later. Yeah. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.